Hello all and welcome to episode 277 of The Yellow Wallpots. I'm your host Stefan Butzko for this uh, free Revier Derby edition. And once again with me here is the one and only Matthias Zuck. Hello Matthias, how are you doing? Hello Stefan, I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Uh, first of all, small disclaimer, um, there's a construction site outside of my house and uh, they have been going with a jackhammer all morning so i don't know uh, if if i can edit this out or not so if you hear a little bit of background noise i apologize speaking of jackhammers um there was quite the drubbing in freiburg last weekend uh, dortmund with a very um comfortable four nothing win it was i don't know about you but i thought it was kind of nice to just have like a coasting win for once it's been a while but i, I guess uh there are a lot of things to to talk about this game M matthias uh What's your top line reaction? Well, it was a it was a nice way to uh, celebrate Easter, and and it felt that way. You know, it was warm. It was warm here. It was warm there. It was just a nice day, and and that's kind of how how the match went. Um, you know, some of the headlines immediately after the match read that Dortmund won too high. Um, that they, how's that possible? That, that they didn't deserve. To win by four goals, and um, that was the main headline, at least on Kika. And you know, I mean, maybe four nil was a little, little high if you look at the entire match. But Dortmund completely deserved the victory. I think uh, three nil would have been okay, but at that point, three nil, four nil, who cares? Uh, Freiburg, I think, played decently. They played well. But uh, aside from a couple of moments, didn't really threaten Dortmund, didn't really do anything offensively. Um, they were relatively disciplined uh, defensively and undone by taking, obviously, the, the penalty kick out of it. Three fantastically played out goals. I mean, those... I, I'm struggling to remember a match where Dortmund scored three goals of that high a quality when it comes to team goals. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure that there were one or two, but, uh, you know, from the top of my head, I, I can't think of any uh, any else. Um, I mean, I have a couple of points in this game, and I, I think Dortmund have learned a little bit from that Mainz game. Um, what I what I like that is Dortmund, even though, in, in my opinion, they should do that even more, but they had stints of uh, unadventurous possession that uh, had them find the rhythm and uh, remove the chaos from the equation a little bit. I, I think um, you could criticize when they just moved the ball around at the back uh, with, you know, without much drive that, you know, that's not really the goal of football. But I think at this stage of the season and against an opponent that really likes, you know, when things are chaotic and frantic, when they can press and so on, that Dortmund just sort of... Uh, took the air out of the game a little bit. In in phases, it wasn't the entire game. Obviously, Freiburg had a couple of uh, good stints them themselves, but I thought it was quite crucial. And uh, I feel that uh, a lot of these goals that Dortmund scored actually came sort of at the back of, of a longer stint of, of calm possession. And eventually, they just snapped and or snatched and, and went for it. I like that uh, in, in that regard, the Dortmund finally showed the patience with the ball that Favre usually propagates. And what I also liked is that Dortmund throughout the 90 minutes, obviously still situationally, but more than against Mainz, they kept 
the pressure on Freiburg very high up the pitch. They pressed Schwolo to force a long ball that they could then win back. They did not really grant Freiburg's deliberty that mindset, you know, with all 10 outfield players in, in Dortmund's half that didn't happen as much. Obviously, um, Freiburg were hampered by a lot of injuries. I don't think any of us had heard of uh, Daferna before when he came on. So that sort of tells you about, you know, the uh, lack of depth that Freiburg had available for that day. But nonetheless, um, speaking of depth, you already talked about the uh, beautiful combinations. And I think this at last now confirms that the, uh, the, the combo of, of Royce, Götze, Sancho and Guerrero, um, is the best that Dortmund have available right now. And I think Favre, as long as they're all healthy, should stick with that. Um, I, I looked it up. These four players only sat against Stuttgart, Hanover, Freiburg and Hertha in the, in the, uh, Hinrunde and, and Tottenham together on the field. And then, in two cases, Paco Alcázar were, was up top as well. So that really tells you how little minutes they had all together. But uh, I don't know about you, Matthias, but I think this is this is the most lethal combination um, because they are so fluid. And Marco Royce, I think, was the man of the match, but we just cannot disregard the importance of Rafael Guerrero um, and how he... I mean... Of course, he was very much involved in, in the goals, but also just uh, how he makes it so impossible for for a defense to to mark the runs because just the way these Dortmund players so fluidly run into the box, it's it's just almost impossible to defend against that. So um, I really want to have your opinion what Dortmund's best uh, combination is right now, but uh, for me, hands down, it's these four up from. Well, yeah, it has to be. Um, and then Paco Alcacer coming off the bench. I think that's that's the most lethal combination you could possibly have. I don't think Paco Alcacer will be happy with that <laughs> long term. Um, I think he'll stick it out another season at Dortmund if things don't change. I think uh, it'll be a two-season stint for uh, Senor Alcacer, which I understand. But also understanding his injury proneness and issues there. That's just kind of the way it's going to be. Uh, you could clearly see that Guerrero and Sancho are are just worlds ahead of Brun Larsen and Pulisic um, in in so many regards. How they play, positional awareness, all that kind of stuff, uh, pressing resistance as well. What's nice with Guerrero is also he does give the necessary cover to whoever's playing behind him as a left back because he's a trained left back. So even though he's not great defensively, he's still better than most wingers um, because he he understands where he needs to position himself. And that makes it very, very hard for the opposition to play out. So they they tend to, when I'm watching the matches, when Guerrero's playing, they tend to focus more on Dortmund's right side than Dortmund's left side uh, just because that's where the gaps are more likely to appear. Uh, but it's it's clearly the best combination. The problem you have is taking Sancho out of it because Sancho's been, you know, very, very healthy is between Royce, Götze, Guerrero, and then throw in Paco as well. I'm not taking anyone out of yeah. this. I, I think everyone has sort of uh, a, a very good argument to why why he's not m much below the others. No, no, that's in, not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is you have... Taking Sancho out of it, you have four players there that are not known to play an entire season injury-free. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's the only uh, sad part, really, that there are so many injuries that this is sort of denied um, the fans to, to see this combination more often. And obviously, Lucien Favre at the beginning of the season often also just had different ideas on how to play. And uh, I mean, we we also just have to talk about the uh, development of, of Jaden Sancho and also Mario Götze, uh, for that matter, in this season and how they have gradually improved. I think the uh, Mario Götze of the Rückrunde, even though the, he, he played a fantastic Hinrunde, I, I think he has also just in the, in the last couple of weeks has just uh, put so much more on top of that. So um, this is, uh, yeah, just very, very good to see that at this point of the season, um, these can really carry the team and, and make such a stark difference than when you have Brun Larsen or so. It's, it's really just not these four individually, but to me personally, it's, it's more about the synergy and, and the fluidity that, that comes with, with the attack because Almost every of these players can assume a position on the 10 position or on the uh, number 8 position. And they can also all sort of play on the wing. So it, it's really tough for an opponent, I think, to prepare for for that onslaught, really, because um, they're all so elusive and because there's no clearly defined striker role. I mean, yes, Mario Götze, in theory, is doing that, but the way they... they run into the box um you know there's often just someone else to to finish it and it's all very situational so um yeah i i really like that combination uh my hope for the future is that maybe in in certain games you don't have witzel and delaney in behind but maybe another more creative number eight say damia by for example um I, I think that could add even more uh you know danger and threat to this attack so this is this is something I I really appreciate, um, and I hope Favre sticks with that for the remaining four games. May they all be healthy. And and that being said, if we already talk about the future a little bit, um, I think extending the contract of uh, Rafael Guerrero and according to Runachichten there in talks, and Mario Götze is probably just as important as finding a replacement for Christian Pulisic, uh, etc. Um, because the the way they have developed and, and found chemistry now is is far more important than any new signing that you want to implement I, I think this is maybe the core to bet on going forward what what's your opinion on that well i can't disagree with that i mean it's uh, more important than a backup replacement because let's face it that's what pulisic is this season he's a backup and finding a replacement for a backup um doesn't isn't as important as securing the long-term um, success or future as you will at your club of your key players of your starters. And uh, that's where Guerrero and Götze of course are completely invaluable. I mean, you see it every time they play together as a core unit, um, those four players absolutely take the opposition apart. And so to make sure that they stick around for at least two, three more seasons uh, as you continue to build the squad around it, knowing that Marco Reus isn't getting any younger and Mario Götze is not getting any younger, which is weird to me because I still sometimes in my brain think of them as young players when, <laughs> you know, Marco Reus, is he going to be 30 years old next n next season? Um, that's, you're not young anymore. He's at his peak. A lot of them well, are at their peak. He's 26, though. He's, he's 26. He's 26. Really 
He's got a few more seasons, but it seems like he's been around forever because he has. Um, uh, but at the same time, knowing his his health issues, theoretically, he's going into his peak. Royce is at his peak. Guerrero is going into his peak. Sancho still has to peak at some point, but odds are we're not going to see that in a Dortmund shirt. <laughs> Probably uh, not. By no. that by that time, Dortmund will be counting the uh, 150 million euros in the bank account at least at that point that they will have gotten for him. So um, it, it's very, very important. And then equally, you have to talk about, okay, Pulisic is gone. Dortmund made a hell of a killing on that one. Um uh, good luck, Chelsea. But what you know? What's what's the deal with Brun Larsen? Is what, does he have a future long term with Dortmund? Is he one that needs to be? You need to loan him out again, or does he stick around? It, it's very, it's a little fluid. But if you don't secure your key players for longer term, say two, three more seasons, uh, then what else you do in an attacking sense really doesn't matter. Yeah, I I, I completely agree, and um. I mean, I I sort of hope and I'm pretty positive that this will happen, that uh, both players will put pen to paper. Um, uh, because obviously I, I don't see why not. I mean, Guerrero might have other suitors, but uh, I mean, they're already in talks. So it's it's looking good. And uh, yeah, it would be disappointing if, if he thinks he needs to go elsewhere. But after, um, you know, the, the seasons he has had at Dortmund, he wasn't completely performing on... on top level week in and week out a lot of injuries so um i don't i don't know if if there you know if there really is right now this step up from dortmund elsewhere on on the cards i just don't really think it is so um yeah i think both players uh i think Guerrero even said that he intends to stay in dortmund so um it's probably just about the money at, at this point um another thing i wanted to bring up um is after you know sledding Favre a lot, I really wanted to praise him for grooming Julian Weigel as a center back. Um, even though I think we all predicted that this would completely end in horror, having him as a reliable center back is so important right now at this stage of the season with uh, all the injuries that are you know happening left, right, and center in in that back line. So um, kudos to to Favre for um doing that and obviously also to Julian Weigel for accepting this role and, and performing as well as he did but um, I already talked a little bit about the uh, uh, possession and, and how Dortmund you know calmly moved the ball around in, in many phases of the game I think having Julian Weigel at center back certainly helps a lot in, in that regard so um, yeah I'm I'm very happy with him in a center back role and I could see um yeah Dortmund also ending the season with him permanently playing at center back. I, I don't know about you, but this is something that I wanted to bring up. Yeah, I I I'm very happy with Julian Weigel at center back because I don't think any of us could have foreseen this. So hats off to Lucien Favre for doing it and figuring it out and doing so well. Um, my problem or my concern is that I don't think Julian Weigel is very happy as a <laughs> center back long term. And so I wouldn't Probably be. Not. And the persistent rumors of his super fan, Thomas Tuchel, wanting him at PSG, I think I, I'm... 
I would be mar- slightly surprised, or I'd be honestly, I'd be very surprised if uh, Julian Weigel is still at Dortmund at the beginning of next season. Yeah, um, probably he's going to I, PSG. Yeah, I, I think agree. he's going to PSG in that role. Um, Manchester City is also still talked about, but I don't, I, I don't think, I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. Even though, I mean, he's a perfect Pep Guardiola player. Uh, what I, my takeaway was a Wolf. Not a bad backup at right back, uh, given that you have no other options. Real shame that he went off injured. He tried to walk it off. Obviously, just couldn't. When you saw the slow motion replay of that <laughs> ankle roll, it made yeah. me grimace. It was pretty bad. Um, and you knew he so, was done. Sort of, sort of twist where I only yeah. look once. Oh, you yeah. know, I don't need yeah. to see eight different replays. I'm, I'm good. Thank you. And it was one of the few astute observations from the uh, commentary team uh, <laughs> that uh, he really tried but can't play. And the other other one good observation from the commentary team, which I can't say again how bad I thought was, um, overall where they did point out how few times Dalton has been able to play with the same back four this season. And that was also an issue issue last season. That was an issue in Thomas Tuchel's last season. But this season, Dalton seemed to have done much better with it. Part of it is also because Roman Bucchi is undoubtedly playing the best season of his career. Yes, he made two mistakes. Get over it. He's still the best Bundesliga keeper. <laughs> and I'm very happy that Lucien... Yeah, we're on the commentators. So oh. he, he made this one pass, this one mistake, and then the color commentator said, yeah, he has this in him like every game. Uh, that's that's lazy. No, that's, that's lazy commentary. What really bothered me was even five or ten minutes later, he still said, well, Dortmund are looking shaky in the back. That's all because of the bad pass from Bürki. I'm like, oh, shut up, Warren Barton. You know, go back to the 80s and 90s at Newcastle. Um, but the the what I'm glad is that Lucien Favre obviously listened last episode of The Yellow Wall <laughs> and obviously took my rant to heart, <laughs> as you always should, because I always make astute points. I've never made a mistake. <clears throat> um, <laughs> is that uh, when Wolf went out, I was already like, oh, God. Oh, God, no. No, no, no. And then I saw Toprak come in, Akanji move at right back, and Akanji did really well at right back. Really, really well, because when Wolf was still there and injured, Freiburg just went right after him, and he got beat on two clear sprints. Once Akanji came in there, that was done. Toprak <laughs> solidified the center-back position, and it was really pretty smooth after that overall. And so I am glad that uh, he did not do what he did in the previous week, which was bring in Zagadou uh, when moving out Akanji because we all saw what happened against Mainz. And obviously, Lucien Favre is capable of learning from his mistakes and did not repeat it. And I thought Toprak did pretty well. But again, it's against a Freiburg side that at that point was starting to give up pretty clearly. Well, Matthias, after you just called the color commentator or Fox uh, or whatever uh, lazy... (laughs) The same can maybe uh, be applied to yourself because had you paid attention, you would have known that Zagadou actually did not make the trip to Freiburg. No, so I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But it's still it. But you, I, I, I you, agree. It, it, it was, was the move that presence. needed to be due. Yes. Yeah. 
yeah, Toprak was a calming presence uh, coming in, and uh, after playing so little minutes, it's it's just nice to have that experience. Um, and yeah, at this stage of the season, you don't know if if Zagadou can offer the same. Maybe not. So um, for the rest of the season, maybe Zagadou will not play again. I don't know, but um, I, I think he will. Um, situationally, <laughs> I just I I'm I'm I I think Favre just is enamored with him. Uh, I hope not. Uh, you could just see the difference between Toprak in there versus Zagadou the week before. It was, it, it was the the difference between a veteran center back and a young center back. Um, and as such, it was it was good to see that. Um, I'm not always completely wrong. You see what I like about the um, move as Akanji to the right and with Dortmund pushing a little bit higher on the pitch than they did um, against Mainz, for example, where they just barricade around their own boxes that Akanji gave, uh, you know, an outlet for Roman Birki every time Dortmund passed the ball back to Birki. Well, not every time, but, you know, a couple, three or four times it happened that he just, you know, shot the long ball to the general area where Kanji is and then you actually have someone in that position who can actually win a header. And the good part is when you have, you know, a, a center back turned right back and especially um, with the way Akanji goes into aerial duels is um, that on, on that position, if you lose out, it's not that terrible because you lose the ball not not in the center of the pitch and you know it's it's not that likely that your opponent can start the counter-attack right away but if you win the header or whatever and and extend it to to your winger into the path of your winger or whatever you can actually create something from that so um this is something that i think dortmund have been missing for quite some time and it was nice to see um how easy in quotation marks, it could be to to fix that to to have someone who offers a little bit more height and and the physical presence to just you know be that outlet for for long balls if, if your opponent presses you very well that you know you have Akanji there also. But uh, maybe it's easier said than done when you play against Freiburg than uh, say Tottenham when you then have him going up against Vertonghen or so. Um, so it, it's all relative, obviously, but I, I thought um, that was maybe a nice um, effect of the Wolf injury that that uh, Dortmund had another, yeah, solution to to the problems that that Freiburg caused and uh, made this win all the more calmer than uh, it might have otherwise been. So um, yeah, um. It's it's a nice win, and I think it was a statement win, not for the rest of the world, but for Dortmund themselves. Um, a statement win for within, if you want. Um, because after um, getting absolutely shellacked against Bayern and really sweating it out against Mainz, I, I think it was important uh, for the team to prove themselves that they a, can keep a clean sheet and Freiburg didn't have too many great chances. I mean, there were a couple of uh, shots from Luca Waldschmidt, but it's not like they wrecked up the XG, uh, XG stats. And um, also just the, you know, the, the self-understanding of a top team to just close out the game for once is, is really important at this stage, especially when we look forward to, to the Schalke match soon. Um, I, I think the self-understanding can help Dortmund there quite a bit so um yeah overall 
very happy with the performance. Um, and of course, Marco Royce once again showing that he is a very uh, deserving captain. Um, you know, handing that penalty to Paco Alcázar. And I think after the game, he said that uh, Alcázar went through a rocky period and, uh, you know, it, it was sort of a matter of course to let him take the penalty to, to reward players that are struggling a little bit. I, I think um, this is just very good man-managing skills from Marco Royce. Um, how do you see it, Marco Royce, as, as a captain throughout the season, in particular in, in, in this situation against Freiburg? Yeah, I mean, he's, over the last few years, has matured incredibly. I mean, if you go back, this is the same Marco Royce, of course, who drove a vehicle without a driver's license uh, for years <laughs> and got busted doing it, uh, which is an incredibly immature and stupid thing to do, to see his development with the club and the amount of times he could have left Dortmund over the years and always chose his home over everything else he is well he couldn't drive away without a <laughs> good good point good point um uh, but he could definitely uh pay for an uber uh across germany uh, <laughs> yeah it doesn't so, exist in germany <laughs> yeah that's true but um that's 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 a different different podcast um but be that as it may, he's uh, Dortmund Jung. He shows it all the time. Very mature, very classy. Uh, he's really grown into the role, and I feel like it's made him a better player, if that makes sense, because it's bolstered his confidence more beyond just his basic skill set, uh, that, that he deals with pressure better, that he deals with setbacks better uh, ever since becoming the captain. And I thought... Uh, even though we all have love in our hearts for Masa Schmelza, I feel it is a... I, don't, I hate to say he's a better captain than Schmelza or Shahin were. Uh, I don't think that's fair on either one of those players who fit that same basic mold. But somehow Marco Reus, because he is that significantly higher echelon quality and talent of a player uh it's it's great to see it uh, pay dividends for him personally and then also for the club overall yeah i i would agree with that um it's, it was just a nice touch because alcasa you know went with through a tough time you know missed the Bayern game with with arm problems and not really a regular starter and you know wasn't that pro prolific recently so um yeah uh nice for him to to get on a score sheet as well and <laughs> what a thumping penalty it was he definitely went for power over placement there but uh didn't matter i think schwolo got to it but uh, no no way of stopping that so um matthias shall we move on to the next game I don't know who are we playing in the next game. Some relegation candidate, right? I gotta say this. This is all. This game, you know, it's all about psychological warfare because Schalke they're down in dumps, and uh, if you've seen them playing the last games, they are complete catastrophe. And um, Hans Joachim Watzke already started uh, the onslaught. Um, he uh, <laughs> had a quote published um, where he says, "I don't want." that Schalke are being relegated which is smart because it's uh, sort of a hidden attack where you sort of praise them for, for their status but at the same time you remind them of the threat of relegation very clever Mr. Watzke um, yeah, Schalke right now in 15th place um, 6 points 
above Stuttgart still, obviously, because Stuttgart just cannot freaking win for once. Um, and yeah, they were shellacked by Hoffenheim, a 5-2 win for Hoffenheim. And uh, before that, they had a very lucky 1-1 draw against Nürnberg. Um, away to Nürnberg, where Nürnberg absolutely dominated. I don't think I've seen such a good game from, from Nürnberg, uh, who yeah really did not reward themselves and got you know had one goal stolen too so um yeah a very lucky draw for for Schalke away to Nürnberg so um yeah this this team is really really um terrible this this year uh, i mean regressing to the mean is one thing but but Schalke just completely uh, <laughs> they crashed after their second place finish uh, dominique tedesco is uh, has already been fired christian heil sporting director has been fired um, and right now, if you look at the coaching bench, you see Hoop Stevens, you see, um, Mike Buskins, and I think Gerald Azamor. This is basically, you know, if, if BuzzFeed would, would, uh, publish a post of, uh, these are the three Schalke coach that actually still want to work there. <laughs> because, uh, I don't know about you, Matthias, but I just don't see anyone right now who really wants, wants to coach that team. And, uh, I don't know. Um, I, I'll, I'll let you decide, has uh, Hoop Stevens done a good job so far coaching Schalke or uh, how do you perceive that development? Um, I mean, I think Alexander Zorniger would take the job, but I, if I remember correctly, he's unemployed right now. So um, the and I only thought of that because I just read something about him. Pure coincidence. Um, has Hoop Stevens done a good job? Well, no, but at the same time, I'm not going to lambast hoop stevens um you know tedesco didn't do a good job uh, i don't really see much of a difference between the two at this point um and i, I will criticize christian heidel because obviously he was part of the team that built this squad um but then there were also the constraints financially even though Schalke said hey we made a profit yeah, but you're so mired in debt and, and have financial issues. If that wasn't the case, you wouldn't have let so many quality players leave for either relatively low transfer fees or for free. Um, but, and, and even though everybody mocked Maya preseason going, Oh, you're going to the bigger club in Crystal <laughs> Palace. Yeah. I think he went to the bigger club in Crystal Palace, not bigger club, <laughs> but definitely more successful this season. <laughs> Uh, isn't that right, uh, Arsenal fans? Um, <laughs> on what position is Crystal Palace? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. Mid-table mid Premier League, you know, like 80% of Premier League sides that are in mid-table or relegation fight. I don't know. Um, I don't really pay attention, attention to Palace that much. But I they're in 12th. They're in 12th, and 12. they did beat Arsenal um, just recently. But... Be that as it may, it's, it's not about Palace or even though uh, I'm sure Terry DeFellin, who is a Palace fan, would love this to be Palace ch uh, chat. But we're getting back to Dortmund and Schalke. Um, so for me, Schalke, the, here's, here's the difference. And here's why I think Schalke are in acute danger of relegation. Now, I don't think they're going to be directly relegated. I don't think they're going to drop quite that far, but they could fall into that relegation playoff spot um, because A, Stuttgart have swap managers and there is a new manager bounce nine times out of ten um, and that could benefit then. them. If you look at Schalke, they were playing Dortmund, Augsburg, Leverkusen, and then on the last match day, Stuttgart, in that order. 
here's the difference. There. So that means Shurka just need one more win and they can leave yeah. the tribe. I, I yeah. don't know. I, Maybe they need more points because of goal differential because Shurka obviously yes. just got smacked by Augsburg of all teams. Yeah, and 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 he, the point I'm trying to make is for for Schalke, they're very very in a very dangerous position because odds are they're going to lose. I I believe they're going to lose the next three matches. Uh, I think they're going to get beaten by Dortmund. They're going to get beaten by Leverkusen. They're going to beat by Augsburg. Why? Because Augsburg knows Abstiegskampf. They know this. They've been basically in it since they've come up. The players that they have, they have the mentality for it. Stuttgart players, I'm still trying to figure that one out, to be honest. Uh, and I think they're paying the price for the idiotic appointment or keeping Typhoon Kokut to start the season. This is the Kokut hangover. You know, when you when you bring in an Oberliga manager, this is what happens. Um, I also don't think that, that Stuttgart have the players uh, suited for Abstiegskampf, as you just said. Correct. I But Schalke, Schalke is even worse. Because they were playing Champions League. There was at least an illusion of grandeur there because they were playing in the Champions League. And that's completely gone. They're, they're not going to be playing Champions League for the next, I don't know how many seasons at this rate. Uh, because it seems to be systemic that they, they have this need for failure. And this season <laughs> is as bad as I've ever seen it since I remember Schalke getting promotion and getting back into the Bundesliga in the early 90s. So it's, it, to me with Schalke, it'll come down to the last match against Stuttgart. I don't know Stuttgart's, um, who they're playing against right now off the top of my head. I don't have it they in front of me. They play against Gladbach in the top spiel at home. Okay, and and Gladbach are just as much a mental dumpster fire right now as these other ones because they have a lame duck coach and they don't really know what to do with it. Um, and, and then th they're playing play away to Hertha Berlin. So there you go. There's another lame duck coach in a team that <laughs> has given up playing because I did not watch Hannover against Hertha on Sunday because I'd rather drive a needle into my eyeball. <laughs> then do that to myself. And then Stuttgart <laughs> host the uh, lame, duck coach, lame Duck coach side for Wolfsburg. And yeah, on the, there's on another the, one. Uh, on the final match day, they will play, as we just said, uh, against Lame Duck coach side. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy <laughs> if you think is. about it. They're playing against three clubs where they know, or four, all their remaining matches are against... <laughs> All clubs where the manager will not be the manager the next season. That is insane. I didn't realize that. That is, that's crazy. So, hey, Stuttgart, if you don't do it now, you ain't going to freaking do it um, <laughs> against those sides. Granted, you probably have a lame duck coach too. So, eh, who knows? It's, it's the lame ducks. But um, I, the, the, the operative term to use for Schalke is dumpster fire. Um, it is a mere official trademark. Yes. DFL yes. term now. Yeah. Yeah. Hashtag Schalke dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> because I mean, I watched the Hoffenheim match um, just because I like watching a Julian Nagelsmann side. I don't know if I'll do that to myself next year so, when he so, has Leipzig. So, so Schadenfreude um, was not the top of your list? No, it actually wasn't. It actually wasn't. <laughs> it's uh, just number two. Uh, it, All right. it was a joy, though. I figured it would happen. It wasn't a surprise. And um, at this point, it's almost uncomfortable to watch... Uh, Schalke play and lose because it's kind of like watching someone have a mental breakdown for 90 minutes in front of you and it's just 
you, you, it makes you physically uncomfortable to watch if you weren't laughing at the same time. Um, so that all being said, Schalke are not going to be necessarily an easy one to defeat. No, they're not to be underestimated. <laughs> no, they still have they still have individual quality despite Caligiuri playing. Um and that all being said, once the floodgates open, I think they just pour open and then Schalke fall completely to pieces. And as such, it is the most confident without being overconfident I've been going into a Revier derby in an incredibly long time. Yeah, Dortmund haven't fared particularly well in in, in uh, derbies of of late um, last season at home. Certainly not so well, even though you know the floodgates opened nice and early. <laughs> but uh, yeah, <laughs> not gonna go into too much de detail here. No, Naldo, no, Naldo, yeah. and Favre is not Bosch. That that is very true. That is very true. Um, though the the. Uh, First fixture this season and where Dortmund won two to one thanks to uh, Jaden Sancho scoring and uh, I think Delaney with a header and Schalke obviously like they always do the only way to sc they score these days it seems are uh, unwarranted penalty calls so um um the I mean I was there in person for that game and I gotta say from all the football games I've seen in the recent years that might have been the worst um on on performance level Dortmund didn't really do well and Schalke were just absolutely horrible I mean just the amount of of easy passes that went astray and and out of play like a five six ten meter pass or so just never arrived. So, um, this is, I think, what Dortmund need to do. Um, Schalke are worse at home than they are away this season. And, um, Schalke, I, I think we can admit that have a great stadium in the sense that, you know, the atmosphere in there can get really loud and pumping. And, you know, it, could, it, it might be fun if, if you're not a Dortmund fan, but it, a neutral. So it actually might be fun to go to a game there. Um, but, not this season. Schalke have racked up 10 losses at home. Just think about that. Um, 10 losses and uh, away they've lost seven times. My point is that right now for Schalke it seems to be harder to play at home because of the uh, pressure to perform in front of the home audience. Um, we, we've seen the same effect with the uh, Westfalenstadion from time to time that when Dortmund didn't play too well and if 80,000 start to, you know, moan or, or, or boo or so it's it's only so much harder to play and that's going to knock your confidence and I think it's very important that the Westfalenstein just throws its entire weight at Schalke that these players in blue just crap their pants and uh, realize that the pressure is just too enormous and, and have them crumble un under it what I do not want to see happening is that uh, the old you know Schadenfreude Derby of 2007 repeats itself just uh with with opposite uh, parties here because we all remember in 2007 Schalke were on the verge of winning the championship and uh, <laughs> this time Schalke again in the race with VfB Stuttgart but uh, you know not at the top of the table and obviously uh, Alexander Frey and Ibi Smolarek uh, ruined that little day for Schalke who had uh, set up uh, public viewing in their own arena and there were a lot of Schalke fans who were sincerely hoping they could uh, win the Bundesliga 
in, in Dortmund. Obviously, it, this did not happen. And, uh, you know, as always, it ended in tears for Schalke. But Schalke will have the motivation that even a draw can uh, help them screw Dortmund's title chances. So um, I do not want this to be happening in, in this particular game. So um, it is very important that Dortmund play a little bit similar to Freiburg, even though it wasn't the most glorious performance. But uh, yeah, take full advantage of, of, of Schalke and, and the confusion that is within that Schalke team. Because um, I think Cube Stevens actually did a okay job right now. They seem a little bit more organized and going forward. It's it's not completely hopeless. Um, there's a small development. It doesn't really, you know, it, not not to the point that they have actually won anything or, or did did really well, but you can still see tiny improvements. So, um, yeah, I don't want to see, see that at all. I want Dortmund to be on the front foot and be completely motivated and very aware of the fact that um, if they really pressure Schalke and uh, approach this game with the wrath that you have a better chance of winning than playing a patient game. So, um, yeah, that, there is that. I don't know, Matthias, what what do you think? But I think the Scrivia Derby will be decided mentally first before anything else. Oh, I think so too. And and I agree with you. I think uh, Zutribune will be up for it. I think the players will be up for it. I think... Um Marco Reus, again, speaking of captain, he will make sure they're up for it. And the players that have been there a few seasons, um, Pischek and so on, and, and Schmelza, our cheerleader from the bench, uh, he'll, he'll definitely uh, be up for it. And yes, I, I expect this to be a, a little bit of an ugly match at times. I, I expect to see a lot of niggling fouls, a I, lot I of. I think Schalke will be as physical as they yes, can. Yeah, physical. They'll try to, uh, basically, zerstör Fußball. They're going to try to destroy it in the rhythm, the way they play. They will expect to see a lot of hacking of Sancho and Royce and Götze and Guerrero, and that will be their MO. They will leave feet in, they will hack at the opponents, and it will not be pretty. That being said, obviously, I expect Dortmund to win the match, I know what my my prediction is from from my brain, and but my heart's a little bit different. I want this to not just be a Dortmund victory. I want this to be so complete and so <laughs> utterly soul destroying for Schalke <laughs> that it leads them to further humiliation in the matches to follow. That is, I've never wanted it so bad in in many, many years since that match that you talked about. And I remember watching Ibi Smolarek and Alex Frey, two of my all-time favorite Dortmund players, um, do what they did at a time when Dortmund were the they were the Hertha of of the Bundesliga. They were a mid to lower mid table side. Actually a very, very nice um, way to compare it. They, they were the Graue Maus. They were the Graue Maus at the time, um, still reeling from the fact that the a club almost ceased to exist two years prior to that. And to um, basically get, you know, make sure that Schalke not only didn't win the Bundesliga, but didn't do it in Dortmund. Uh, that was one of the proudest. Uh, Revier Derby matches I can remember. Um, With Thomas Doll in the freaking yep. sideline. <laughs> I know of all the managers, um, but this would be this would be right up there for multiple reasons because it's not just about 
pissing on Schalke at that point because you could do that too. You could just what what what's already been started. What Hoffenheim did a great job with last weekend. Uh, you could continue that down, downward spiral of Schalke, but additionally, you can continue your push and hope for winning the Bundesliga title. It is, it is conceivable. Yes, certain things have to play out in Dortmund's favor, but it is conceivable that Dortmund could win the title and Schalke get relegated in the same season. It is possible, and it is more than just a fringe possibility if you look at the rest of the matches that Dortmund and Bayern and Schalke and Stuttgart, the the lame duck schedule of Stuttgart, um, (laughs) have to offer. I mean, if this happens, I don't even know if if Dortmund will, um, if if the city of Dortmund will stand next season. (laughs) Or for that matter, if if Dortmund will just uh, say they've won everything they could have, they can win as, as, as a club and will just retire. See, if if I can continue my fantasy just for one quick second, obviously Schalke is not going to get the direct drop. But if they get into the relegation spot, I kind of hope that Hamburg fall into the relegation spot in the Zweite Bundesliga. And then Dortmund youth coach Hannes Wolf and the Hamburger SV <laughs> relegate Schalke to the second Bundesliga. So there you have it, folks. That is my full fantasy that undoubtedly probably won't come true uh, <laughs> because Stuttgart are just that garbage. But if if the stars do align, that would be kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So um, let's let's talk about the game itself a little bit. Um, since we're recording on uh, Wednesday and the uh, press conference where... Uh, there will be just a flurry of information, I assume, <laughs> happens on Thursday. Um, we don't know what is the status of one Marius Wolf. Um, so question to you, Matthias, if Wolf is out, and I would sort of presume that he is, considering how, how bad he twisted his ankle, um, what kind of backline would you draw? Would you, um, take the same backline to close out the game in Freiburg? Uh, yeah, I mean, with injuries in, obviously, that's that. I think that's your safest bet um, uh, overall as a backline. I if if nobody if there are no other options, then yes, that is the back four that I would like to see. Well, you could play Schmelzer, for example. I could, but I don't think Favre will. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, yeah, if if we look a little bit at at, at Schalke, I mean. The the strikers they have with Embola and Burgstaller are, are pretty good in in my opinion. These are players that can make a difference. Obviously, currently they don't really get the service they need to to perform on the level they are capable of. But um, there are certainly players that can hurt Dortmund. And uh, this season, even though not much else has worked out for Schalke, um, and this is why I admired even more so is, is the development of West McKinney because um, he, I mean, first of all, he has been, I think, slotted in almost every position besides goalkeeper this season and had to perform as a stopgap player. But that sort of tells you about um, the utility and, and the versatility that McKinney has. But at the same time, just um, he is a very smart midfield player, um, can play the box-to-box type, um, but also just a distributor can play a creative part um it's very aggressive and 
I I really like watching Weston McKinney and and the way he plays. Uh, how old is he now? I think twenty years. Yeah, so he's obviously from from the United States and one of the very uh, few positive silver linings coming out of that Schalke season. And uh, I would predict that uh, if he has a smart agent, he will not play at Schalke next season, but but elsewhere uh, to continue his development. I think um, it's been maybe a little bit under the radar, um, especially with uh, Alfonso Davis and then Tyler Adams, especially at, at Leipzig, uh, really cranking things up. But uh, West McKinney throughout this season has, has performed quite well. Yes, he made a couple of mistakes here and there. That is normal for a young player, but bigger picture, good development and uh certainly one that can hurt Dortmund on on uh, Saturday and uh, yeah apart from that um, I think Alexander Nübel the uh, goalkeeper who has replaced Ralf Fehrmann um, has shown that he can be a really uh, good goalkeeper he was definitely the difference maker against Nürnberg against Hoffenheim not so much because they just uh, created so many at chances of, of such quality that even uh, Nübel could not save him. But I think Didi Hamann or some other idiot expert at Sky or so already talked him uh, to, to Bayern or so. Um, he's certainly one to watch. And Schalke, I think, have a very rich history of um, creating uh, and nurturing and nursing good German goalkeepers. And uh, I think Hugh Matthias can uh, vouch for the fact that... Uh, Dortmund have been frustrated by a lot of great Schalke goalkeeping Schalke, Schalke goalkeeper performances. So um Yeah, this is I mean top of mind to do better. You know, Jakub Blaschikowski probably still uh, sees Manuel Neuer in that one Schalke Derby. Um Yeah. Yeah, Manuel Neuer keeping Schalke in that derby. And then obviously the worst one was uh, Jens Lehmann as a keeper scoring against Dortmund in the Revier derby, uh, which I significantly doubt will happen uh, <laughs> with Nübel. So, uh, but uh, Nübel is a very good keeper. Also, Nübel könnte alle gehen is, of <laughs> course, something that the Schalke supporters uh, chanted just recently. After so, the Nürnberg game, yeah. Except yeah. for Nübel, everyone can leave is, is the translation of that. Yeah, and uh, the ironic thing is I think he will leave. Maybe not next season, um, but uh, definitely in the next few seasons. And no, I do does agree. Does he have a contract for the second I, division? I, ew, I don't know. But I do. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, all kidding aside, uh, everybody kind of said it jokingly, but I think we're all kind of... At this point, depending on how the development goes, I wouldn't be shocked if he's the Bayern keeper. Keeper, mein Gott, for das Deutsch. Uh, if he's the the uh, Bayern goalkeeper. In, Remember, no edits. <laughs> no, I know. In about uh, oh, three seasons. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's 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 uh, perfectly possible. I mean, Bayern Munich need to look out for a new keeper. Manuel Neuer is past his prime. Um, they sort of always seem to struggle with Ulreich, so um, yeah, I I think they will look out for for the next uh, German uh, number one. I don't know if if they, I don't I don't think they can get Testing or so, and uh, yeah, so so maybe Nübel is is a possible thing, and I don't I don't think it's it's such an abstract discussion, really. But yeah, um, the the bigger problem for for Schalke usually is the um. Midfield with the uh, Suat Serda, with uh, Mascarel, 
another transfer from from Frankfurt that did not work out. Um, Nasazic, Sané, um, and and Stambouli at the back. I think they have not really covered themselves in in glory. They are all the ball watchers in chief this season, and um, yeah. I don't even know what 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 to say. I mean, uh, the the amount of transfers that that went astray, um, like uh, Rabi Matondo or so, I don't Sebastian Rudi, for example. Um, they all have not worked out. I'm also not the biggest fan of Amina Harid, um, and Jeffrey Bruma or, or so. There are just so many players in that Schalke team that that are just so darn average and. Um, Obviously, there was this famous Twitter conversation between Schalke fans in, in German before the season who can compare their team to Dortmund's team. And the uh, evaluation was that, apart from Marco Reus, um, the team is equal in quality. And I think this, uh, you know, hasn't really held up. So um, looking at the Schalke team, um, I, I think that Hüb Stevens will do the one thing that Schalke can do in this barricade them around their own box themselves and and hope for counterattacks and and set pieces so um yeah it's it's a strategy that has helped teams against Dortmund to to win or come away with a draw but i just don't see this Dortmund team um yeah sort of falling into that trap this this time around and i think Dortmund I'm not entirely sure but at least it looked like it against Freiburg they actually have um better their set piece defending a little bit so let's hope they are working on that once again so um I think we've already discussed which front four we want to see do you think that the Delaney Witzel um combo should play um should definitely play against this side or do you think there should be a different approach by Favre to maybe catch Hoop Stevens off guard no I think that's the the combo you need this combo you should use because I mean what's the alternative obviously Weigler's gonna play in center back if I see Dahoud on the team sheet I'm gonna cry um, the alternative is pulling get Götze back a little yeah, bit yeah but I don't play Alcázar, for no, example. yeah I mean you could theoretically do that but why disrupt that amazing flow you have up top um, Favre at this point, doesn't like changing the team, I think. Uh, we've obviously seen he's not a huge proponent proponent of rotation when he kind of should have rotated. And now that, you know, there's no Champions League or DFB Pokal or anything like that, and they have a full week of rest in between, um, I expect Delaney and Witzel also because... Given the higher level of physicality, let's call it that, that I expect to see from Schalke, um, I think those two players are probably the best equipped to deal with it in a non-panicked fashion, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. I very much expect Schalke's shithousery from the very first second on. So it will and, be and the nice thing is for the referee to have early booking or so that you know i don't i don't need a long leash in a derby no and the key thing is i think delaney the beauty of delaney is he can give it when he has to take it so that's something that i do enjoy about him he does like getting under opposition 
player's skin. Um, uh, not in a dirty way, but just he's more physical and he doesn't shy away from it. And it's not a shit housery like some other players play, um, but it's it's uh, that that type of player that you need, I think, in a match like that, and that will kind of counteract what Stevens does. I don't expect Favre to have to come up with something to throw Stevens off. I think we all know what Hoop Stevens is going to do. I think we all know how he's going to play and set up. This isn't a Tedesco or a Nagelsmann or somebody like that where he could come up with something crazy. At this point, I don't think Schalke can afford crazy. And so Steven's just going to keep doing what he does. Um, and that's why I think uh, basically, like you said, the, the more or less the 11 or the, the team that played against Freiburg for the majority of the match, um, taking out Wolf and then bringing in Toprak uh, is probably what we're going to see. Yeah, all right. So, um, do you think that, <laughs> that the, uh, Dortmund front office will, uh, take, let's call them motivational <laughs> measures, uh, as they did, as it was reported against Hertha Berlin, where they promised the team sort of a, a winning fee, um, of, of a th uh, one, one million euros, uh, that was distributed, I guess, across the team if they won against Hertha Berlin. Or do you think that uh, the motivation that the team has to play for, uh, which is A, the championship, and B, Schalke's relegation, uh, should suffice this time? Well, I think uh, the occasion, the situation, the run-in, all of that, I think will play in without the financial incentive. I can see it against Hatta just because it's such a horrible place to play, and you can easily be sucked down and into uh, the Hatta style. And as such, uh, that's why they also get some of the results for them that they do, Hatta in that case. So I think giving them that extra motivation, especially because I remember that match and I remember how crap the weather also was. And it was just, eh. Uh, this, odds are the weather's going to be nice and it's at home. It's against Schalke in the Revier Derby. I don't think additional motivation is needed. Yeah, I, I just googled the German word uh, Gefahrenzulage. Uh, in American, it's it's hazard pay. I think the British term is danger money or danger allowance. I think that describes it quite nicely if you're uh, going up against Hertha Berlin. This is what you need. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, no. in all seriousness, though, um, what do you make of... Um, you know, the, the schemes of, of Watzke, let's say, to, to, uh, you know, come up with these incentives throughout the season. Um, overall, do you think this is something that is smart or, um, I mean, the players earn so much money, it might actually not be that big of an incentive and you just burn cash or, uh, what, what do you make of it? Well, I think it's a legitimate strategy to try. I don't want to have the money. So that's not an issue. It's maybe that little bit of extra motivation for players that aren't, quote-unquote, from Dortmund, uh, that haven't been around that long, or that maybe are younger. Younger players aren't quite on the salaries of, say, a Marco Reus or Mario Götze, so it's a little bit of incentive for them. And it shows a little bit of, hey, we're going to do this for you, you do this for us and the club and the team and the fans. So I think it's a it's legitimate. Um, win bonuses aren't out of the question, and it's not not super astronomical and you have the greater prize ahead of you um so i'm perfectly fine with it 
Yeah, I mean, it was the last second winner, so <laughs> maybe maybe um, going by how the game went overall um, and Dortmund were not the sharpest at the very beginning of the game, maybe, uh, you know, doesn't really matter if, if you do it or not. I don't know. It's, it's hard to measure, um, but Dortmund certainly had the outcome that we're hoping for. Uh, maybe next time also uh, have some sort of incentive to when you play against Bayern. So um, I don't know. <laughs> don't lose by three and you get get a bonus <laughs> um no but in all honesty uh it's it's just interesting uh what kind of tricks and, and tweaks they're trying to apply to um yeah get this team to the championship so yeah anyway i'm i'm personally i'm really looking forward to the Revier derby and i think uh it's been quite a while since Dortmund really had a resounding win against schalke so I sort of feel like it's on the horizon. I don't know about you, Matthias, but you already talked about your gut feeling a little bit. I I really think it's it's going to be uh, quite quite the show from Dortmund on Saturday. Also, just because the Schalke team has not really filled me with confidence that they can sustain any sort of pressure or anything on on anyone currently, and it really would need you know a higher force for Schalke to come away with anything in this game. Uh, I completely agree. Um, I think uh, it it will be... Here's what I say. My, my head prediction is saying a 3-1 victory for Dortmund. Um, given how Nürnberg dominated this side and Hoffenheim dominated the side and given that uh, Dortmund have more quality in their front four than say a Nuenbeck does I don't think that uh, Dortmund is going to uh, let quite so many chances slip against Schalke especially because everybody seems to have their shooting boots back on and as such uh, yeah I, my pr my head prediction says 3-1 I will put in a little asterisk and say my heart is saying 6-1 <laughs> wow I I I'm predicting a four nothing win again. Um, I I have seen Schalke ball watch to such an extent that I think the combinations that Dortmund showed against Freiburg are very likely to um, repeat themselves because also Freiburg were pretty much caught ball watching in these moments. I mean, if you have uh, Mario Götze and, and Jaden Sancho basically with tapping goals. Um, you know, offered a completely free run into the box without anyone really picking them up. Um, that is sort of a testament to ball watching and Schalke, uh, as I already said, they're the kings of that currently. So um, may maybe should get do it a little bit better even. I don't know. But um, point is... But you're talking about Stuttgart have one of the absolute greatest, most amazing uh, <laughs> defenders in all of the Bundesliga in Pavar. Of course. Um also, Matthias, we have to maybe think a little bit about the long-term effect of this derby and, and the situation Schalke are in, in particular, because um, Watzke obviously said he hopes that they are not being relegated, but if we are honest, I personally don't see how Schalke can recover from this dire situation anytime soon, because right now there are teams that are making all the good decisions. Uh, look at Leipzig um, getting Nagelsmann, and I think uh, Gladbach also have a coup in uh, getting Marco Rose. And I just don't think there will be space for Schalke to really break into the Champions League spots 
Um, Adi Hütter is also doing a very good at Frankfur uh, job at Frankfurt. So um, the overall standard and, and footballing level in the Bundesliga, I think I, we're seeing a very good season overall, but I think it's only going to improve. And it's really tough for Schalke who have not a squad that is capable of playing possession football or, or any sort of positive football that's riveting, easy on the eyes and successful or anything. Um, so I don't really know where they will go from here, to be honest. So um, if you, as, as you said, kick them down the well even further, um, I, I just don't see how, how Schalke will in the next two or three years, you know, rise up again. Um, they don't really have the financial capabilities. They probably won't have the European success to, to get any more money. So um, I don't know. Will they play out the Russian connection and ask Gazprom for more money? You know, uh We we know that um, the the butcher what's his name Tönnies Tönnies yeah that he is uh, friends with uh, Vladimir Putin so maybe this is uh, where some Russian dark money will come into Schalke but honestly I I really don't know how um, how this club can recover um, I mean after they just fired what I thought was a very capable sporting director. Um, there will be a, a longer rebuild. So, um, yeah. I don't know. Ex well, explain it to me. Yeah. What's, what's, what's Schalke <laughs> path back to the Champions League spots? Uh, blind ass luck? No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, you're right. If you look at it, obviously Bayern is Bayern, Dortmund is Dortmund. Everything below that, Leipzig will con unfortunately ugh, continue to, to grow. With Nagelsmann, it just gets better. Frankfurt will only get better. Gladbach will get better uh, because they've significantly upgraded their coaching position. Um, I think Leverkusen is better. I like Bosch, uh, despite it being crazy at times, but That's that's one of the things I like about him. Uh, even Wolfsburg have now brought in a better coach. Uh, the so they're really being outpaced by everybody else. Uh, if you look at uh, good, decent to good managers that are available to coach out there, um, I mean, even Hoffenheim brought in a, a good coach in, in Ten Hag's uh, assistant. I don't see Ten Hag going to a place like Schalke. I don't see David Wagner going to, to Schalke. Um, I don't see if it do somehow doesn't work out in Hamburg, even though I think it will. Uh, you know, Hannes Wolf won't be going there. So it's who would go there? I mean, you, you are losing money. You don't have European football revenue, and I don't think they'll have it for a while. Uh, for a number of seasons, so you're going to lose the uh, the money. Uh, you're not going to be able to pay the salaries to bring in the quality of players. Uh, you also won't uh, be able to attract them just because you're not going to be playing on the highest level. And you have your you have so many bad contracts you're dealing with now that you're trying to figure out how to sell and get rid of. The saving grace for Schalke is they do have an extremely good youth uh, setup. Um, And, and they have historically been good at recruiting young players and developing the talent. It hasn't stuck around ever, um, but uh, there's no Marco Royce really that springs to mind in that sense. So, and nobody coming back to them either. Uh, I don't see Mesut Uzio going back to Schalke anytime soon. So <laughs> No, I think that's a burnt bridge. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. But it, it, it just, like you said, they... they They've made, they've compounded bad decisions with bad decisions. And what made it worse was they believed 
their position last season more than they believed what was actually being played. The amount of Schalke fans that I heard and saw and spoke to that said, yeah, okay, it may not be the greatest football, but we finished second. We're in the Champions League. It's sunny days. Sooner or later, that bad football is going to come around and bite you in the ass. That's just the way it is. A quality will uh, rule out at the end of the day, and they paid paid for it. They paid for it. They they lost some good players, brought in players that were completely idiotic, in, in my opinion. They were way below what they needed. And you compound that with, yes, Nuba played out really well, but you've pushed out either through your own wanton arrogance or because it just didn't work out anymore, certain types of players that I think could help them in this situation, be that a, a Famon, be that a Benedict Huvidis or a Naldo. I think those are the type of players that they could really use right now to at least not be quite this bad. But instead, you're dealing with players that are... um and I know, you know, when it comes to tactics and stuff like that, you don't want to talk about mentality that often, but mentality clearly plays into it when you're battling relegation is that are the suspect mentally when it comes to this, or at least suspect to the level of, uh, uh, you know, uh, they have a serious case of the fuckets, <laughs> you know, as far as they just don't care, uh, Bentaleb just got releg uh, relegated back down to the B team again, the under 23s. So it's so cyclical there. I think, honestly, despite my my dreams from earlier, I think they will survive just because Stuttgart are even worse. Um, Stuttgart will also survive, like much, going up against, of course. you know, a second division team might, might oh, be yeah. enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if if you're in the relegation spot, unless you're really really bad out of the Bundesliga, you're still going to survive. Uh, but it just it almost never happens. I'm trying to remember of when it actually did happen that the Bundesliga side got relegated in that playoff run. Um, but uh, it's I think it's only happened once, but I can't even remember which time that was. But. Uh, Schalke are going to stay in the Bundesliga, but it doesn't necessarily make things better or easier for them, especially when you think of the teams that are going to come up. Köln and Hamburg, most likely, are better than your average Zweite Bundesliga sides that are going to be coming up. So I don't think you're going to have quite as dismal a Hannover or Nürnberg next season. And that is a huge problem for a club like Schalke. Also for the likes of Stuttgart and Köln and Hamburg that are coming up and Augsburg and Freiburg, but especially for Schalke because Schalke have so many issues also financially and with their recruitment at this point. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we really saw the downward spiral with um, Hamburg over many, many years where, you know, it just deteriorated every season. And so they sort of always put themselves out up until the point they, they didn't. And uh, something like that could happen at Schalke very easily because they um, have the, uh, the the crowd certainly for it. Um, just the, um, the, the fans and the just inhumane amount of pressure they put on this team like almost every week and of course the the eternal dysfunction at the club at the very top with uh Tonius and and uh, 
whoever comes in, I don't, I don't think there's anyone who can really rule Schalke in, in a way that uh, they can be a successful club and have, you know, long-standing harmony and all that. I just don't see it happening. So, um, I don't know. They're bound for chaos. Uh, going forward, um, I'd be surprised if in the next two seasons they will finish in the, in the top five. So, um, yeah. But obviously there's also still a lot of power uh, in, in this club that could push them back up again just from the, the amount of passion that's in, in there and uh, stuff like that. But the same thing could have been said about Hamburg and that did not materialize in a way. So, um, yeah. Anyway, I think it's it's time to to wrap this up. Um, I think we've both made our predictions and are very hopeful that Dortmund come away with a resounding win. So, um, yeah. Matthias, thanks again for coming on. Uh, please let our listeners know how to get in touch with you. Uh, pleasure, as always. You can find me on Twitter at Matthiasuk. And you can find me at Stefan Wutzko on the Twitter as well. If you want to get in touch with all of us, then please do that at Yellow World Pod on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, if you want to contribute financially, go to patreon.com slash the yellow world to subscribe. You can find us on Stitcher, iTunes and SoundCloud and all the other podcatchers. And please uh, be so kind and leave a five-star rating with a couple of nice words that will help the uh, good old Apple algorithms to pick us up and uh, present us to new audiences so that would be very much appreciated and uh, everyone out there i hope uh, you will have a very great weekend and uh, in- enjoy this game as much as as anyone else will hopefully and with that as always thank you for listening and goodbye